Welcome to the Queer Arabs podcast. This is Alia. And Ellie. And we are the Queer Arabs. I'm Saudi American and a lesbian. I'm bi trans Lebanese, and we are here recording alone. Yeah, yeah. So it's just Ellie and me today. Ellie, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty all right. Things have been going well. You Good. know, we, yeah. we've been doing how many listeners a week now? I'm not sure, to be honest. It's really hard to get statistics. I'm not sure. Whatever it is, I appreciate every listener. Um, it's really cool to see how the podcast has grown in the past a little over a year. How many people we've connected with. It's. I mean, I knew that this would be a cool thing to start, but it's been a lot more meaningful than I ever expected. There's just never an end to what we need to talk about, which also it shouldn't be surprising, but it kind of is. I feel like we are constantly coming across um, new conversations that need to be had. Um, people bring things up, like people we have on as guests, and a lot of times the topics that come up are things I never even thought about that weren't really on my radar, and I really appreciate that. Yeah, I feel that way too. When we started this, I was thinking, oh, this will be this will be a cool project to do. Alia seems really into it, and she could handle the social part of this, so... And you handle the tech stuff. It's been working, and this has been way, both way easier than I thought it would be, and way more fun than I thought it would be. You know, I'm yeah, I'm the socially awkward one of the like the socially awkwarder slightly. I disagree, but it's fine. I will respectfully like, disagree. I respectfully disagree. I don't know. I I guess it's been a really good mix of yeah, new topics for. I think for me, I'm speaking for myself. And then also things that have been on my mind for years and years that I haven't been able to articulate, let alone publicly. And talking to each other about this stuff and talking to great people about, you know, all over the world about the stuff that we've had on our minds most of our lives. It's, um, I think it's been extremely important. Yeah, you guys are awesome. And we we started this, what, back in March last year? So it's been a little Yeah, over. yeah. I think we published a little, mid, like, towards midway March. I thought, oh, we'll have a guest every so often. But it's turned out we almost always has, have a guest. We, and... we pretty much had a guest almost every week for an entire year. Yeah. We had, like, what, three solo episodes? Uh, yeah, something like that. Oh, you know, just a handful of solo episodes. Um, and so many people are ready and willing to talk to us about this shit. Yeah, and I feel like this has helped me connect better to my Arab side because, like I said, I when when growing up in America, my folks were really trying to raise me to be American. So, like, mm-hmm. American culture, English as a language, don't teach me Arabic, and... And kept me really much in tune with the pulse of America. So, like, American movies, American video games, American books, America, America, America. For the most part, they succeeded. And aside from my direct family connections, I don't have much connection to Lebanon or the culture. And this has really helped. It made me feel like I have a little bit of a connection now. It's been cool for me to see that, uh, like, comparing a year ago when you displayed very little interest in going to Lebanon for good reason... And then recently where you have been pretty enthusiastic about visiting specifically Beirut. Well, that's because certain we made friends and they yeah. are and they're gonna show us around and show us all the cool places to hang out. I'm mm-hmm. pretty okay with that. That makes all the difference. 
um, we talked to Munir um, not long ago, the photographer in Beirut, and he was talking about how, yes, Beirut is kind of a bubble in Lebanon. So I don't know if you're comfortable, Ellie, going outside of Beirut, but it would be cool to explore if we can. I guess I'll gauge it when I get there. I'm, I think I pass way better than I have any confidence for. So who knows? Like even 15, almost 16 years into like after starting hormones, I'm still, I am still having the classical, oh my God, they're going to kill me in the bathroom moments or those panic attacks where I'm like, shit. It's basically just quietly panicking. Yeah. You know, of course, I always have those moments of self-doubt. It's like, am I really trans? And I'm, I figure I'm going to be, like, asking this question of myself till I die. Mm-hmm. It's like, but am I really? Uh, one other thing this has actually sort of poked in my mind is, it's made me consider, like, am I gender fluid or, like, non-binary or something like that? And I'm, like, I'm pretty settled on my pronouns, but now I'm kind of, like, wondering. Oh, Interesting. So this is the first I've heard you talk about. Well, that. it's been sort of like cooking for, in my head for a while. So yeah. I was like, I don't know what to do with that exactly, other than be like, okay. Well, just having the initial thoughts—that's something. Yeah, um, um, yeah, I'm still super comfortable with my whole with myself as is, and I don't plan to change that. It is more like, mm-hmm. wait, am I? What am I doing with this? Yeah, I don't think I'm going to do anything with it, other than just like, hmm, that's kind of neat. But I also kind of put that like, well, shit, you know, on the whole scale, I'm between gay and straight with the, the bi, mm-hmm. I'm between, you know, sex male and female with the trans, mm-hmm. and I'm between, like, gender presentation and, mm-hmm. uh, I see I'm bad at words like this, but, so I'm certainly in the fucking middle of everything now, if I, if I think, if I identify this way. Edgy. No, it's not in the edge. It's just like, it's the circlest thing like... possible. <laughs> it is like towards the center as possible. I am one of those horrible centrists. It's like, I can't tell these things apart anymore. Our black and white brains just can't handle it. Yeah. This, Seems um, like... The other thing this podcast is, that sort of happened along the same timeline as this podcast, mm-hmm. is like my mental health has really improved over the last year. And... Part of that is because pills therapy plus exercise now. Nice. But part of it is just sort of talking out these issues with people and having like real conversations. Like, yeah, I would think about a lot of this stuff. I would like the most outlet I would have is maybe on an online forum of some sort. Yeah, I feel that. I, I'm in a very not articulate uh, mood right now. Can I be real? Yeah. I am jitter. Like my sh- my hands are shaking right now. They're trembling. I've told you this. I think I'm just like super caffeinated. It's making me really jittery and my heart's kind of like pounding right now. I think it's just caffeine. Speaking of caffeine, do you want to hear something that happened today? Sure. So I went to a coffee shop. Shock. I know. So, Anyways, so I asked for coffee. I um, also picked out this kind of granola bar type thing. I paid for both. Then the barista turned around to get the coffee and I put the granola bar thing in my bag. And this other customer walked up to the barista and not even trying to be quiet or, or maybe trying to be quiet but not succeeding, but like said, hey, this, this person just helped herself to a granola bar, just FYI. 
And so then, then the barista said, uh, she just paid for that. And we, and then the barista just smiled at me and the customer got like really red and I could just, I was kind of pissed off, but mostly amused. So um, anyway. Actually, I'm a little curious. Describe this person. Uh, probably named Karen, Susan, or Nancy. Oh, with a, <laughs> I want to talk to your manager haircut? Yes. Uh, not really the haircut, but just like the look in general. I'm leaving you a hug right now. <laughs> I don't know why my hands are... I've never been this... I don't remember ever being this jittery from a cup of coffee. It was a pretty large cup, but still. And I was had it, it like, very late in the day. Was like, it like all espresso? I think it was just coffee. But anyway, it was super late in the day, and it's super, super late in the day now. Um, so that's that story. But the other thing... One of the things I've actually gotten way more comfortable with lately is... Feel, not feeling like I have to defend myself. Like I'm okay, more okay with being wrong or having the wrong thoughts initially. Like uh, recently, mm-hmm. um, this was a discussion with some friends of mine. I complained about I complained about a thing, and I was like, "Oh my god, those people!" And one of the one of my friends was like, "Hey, I'm one of those people. I feel personally attacked." And I'm like, "And." Both of us know what, my, what the issue is. It's basically we have a situation at work, outsourced workers, not, nobody's happy. They're basically making more work than they resolve. But because she felt personally attacked by that statement, just because she, she knew what it was about, she knew the context, she was not just some rando chiming in, you know. And she's just like, hey, I feel personally attacked. And it's like, like old me would have like tried to explain it. And I'm like, well, new me, like better me, I hope. Just said, you know what? You're right. That was a really shitty statement. I shouldn't have said it. And I publicly apologize for it. And I'm going to leave it up along with this edited apology because, hey, you know, I need to name and shame myself for this. I fucked up. Yeah. And I feel like I'm seeing that a lot. Like that people. Okay. So the other example I've seen of this is the attack helicopter thing. What is that? Okay. So everyone knows the identify I sexually identify as an Apache to attack oh, helicopter. That, that fucking meme. If you haven't, go to knowyourmeme.com and look it up or just Google it. Like identify I sexually identify as an Apache attack helicopter. It's this long meme. Basically, it's been used historically that's been around for like at least five years. Mm-hmm. It's basically used to, to discredit and devalue trans people. Like, even when it came out and before I was sort of, like, really aware of how it was being used, I kind of thought it was funny because I was like, well, self-identification is inherently absurd. Like, I don't, I recognize sometimes the stupidity and absurdity of trans stuff. It's like, how do you know you're trans? Mm -hmm. Yes, say you are. And there's, like, no test that you can do unless you want to get really into brain imaging and kind of cutting cutting edge stuff. But that's, like, way out of most people's price range and not insurance covered. So the second, the other way to do it and the most reliable is self-identification which is absurd you know mm-hmm. it's annoying it's the same problem with all men- almost all mental health issues you know uh, i even made my own variation of it at one point and now like then i'm thinking about how does this affect other people as opposed to how did i intend this you know and i'm like you know what now nah, fuck it and there was actually a similar conversation going on on like reddit and other you know hip teenage young people places on the internet that are not podcasts about the word trap for those of you who don't know trap is a slur used against trans people 
basically with the emphasis of this person, this male person dresses as female or tries to look female in order to trick men into having sex with them. Hence, trap. It is a slur. It sucks. It is always used to devalue and like mock trans people. It is always used in a hurtful way. And that was its origins. And there was this whole long thing on the internet about, especially on YouTube, especially on Reddit, this whole issue. And mm-hmm. me growing up in edgy internet culture, like the asshole I am, I was like, yeah, it's annoying, but it's not really sh- that shitty. And then I was like, then I sat down and listened to everyone's all right. It's like, I got to stop using this. This is a fucking stupid term. And um, even though I... Even though I'm like, I am trans, this is directly using it. I don't think it's something that can or should be taken back. I don't think that I've also got the double-edged sword because I pass and I use it in a public place. Will I, it's like I could easily hurt people who are trans and not out or trans and don't know I'm trans. It's like, and it just doesn't justify the usage, you know? Yeah, it's gamer and bullshit internet edgelord culture, but... But there's a whole slew of language like that, you know? Yeah, and word, I guess words like that where it's like we don't have to use those words. I mean, there are so many other alternate expressions that we can use to get a- across the same message or same, like what we're intending to say. So it's like, why do we have to be so attached to specific words? Or when we can just like change our habits if it'll help make people feel safer. Plus it's, you know basic level empathy this podcast has made me a little bit of a better person yeah i feel that about for myself too um obviously i'm having a hard time putting it into words (laughs) sorry about that which is kind of an issue when you're talking on a podcast where you're relying on words solely uh going back to what you were talking about about intent um i don't think intent matters yeah same i am i've thought about this a lot in the in the recent maybe couple years intent really doesn't matter if the result is the same if someone points something out and even if it's like a bruise to your ego it's really important to just be like you know what it's not always about you it's not about me yeah it's uh hurting someone i can just say hey i fucked up i'm not gonna do it again Rather than try to defend it, try to come up with all these excuses like, oh, well, I meant this. I wasn't being malicious, blah, blah, blah. Or like even in mixed com- in company where you know everyone knows what you meant. Yeah, I mean, everyone has a certain amount of ego and you got to sometimes just push it aside and yeah. not prioritize that. You know, and that's kind of silly or not silly. Like I, wanna, I don't want to say ironic, but I'd say it's appropriate because, mm-hmm. you know, the tagline of this podcast is we exist and it used to be like there are two of us when we started and then there was three of us and then it's not about us personally as individuals you know it's about doing better sometimes yeah at first it was like there are at least two of us and yeah i like that we've changed it to we exist because that's a more collective term or phrase that and we kind of figured that since we actually were able to get guests for almost a year fucking straight i think there are queer arabs out there aside from us you think yeah podcast over we've concluded <laughs> like yeah there's no point to this podcast we've found queer yeah, we're arabs fucking everywhere yeah it's amazing and um i think this podcast is maybe is like way more connected not connected at least aware of like 
queer Arab academia and plays and art. Like mm-hmm. I was, I am again because I my growing up and current culture is internet scumbag. Yeah. Um. You know, I'm not too connected with like real art. Yeah. I want to expand that to queer swana. Okay. Also, another thing I need to be using more: swana, not Mina, not just Arab. Trying to be Better consistent about, about that. Um. Yeah, yeah. I I've learned a lot about like terminology and, for example, Mina. I used to think Mina was totally acceptable, totally encompassing of the region and stuff, and. I have learned, you know, the implications of the phrase Middle East and, or, you know, thought about that and had that more on my radar. Plus, we learned where the term Middle East came from. What so, a- um, uh, hey, so can we talk about Rami? I'm kind of excited to talk about it. Talk about Rami. Okay, so I just watched, I just binge watched recently um, all of Rami, which is on Hulu. It is directed and produced. Um, yeah, the star is Rami Youssef. The character is named Rami. He's Egyptian American. Did know. he immigrate, or was he like child of immigrants? I think oh, I can't remember for sure. I think he immigrated as a child, from what I under from what I recall. Either he immigrated as a child, or he went back and visited Egypt a lot as a kid, because he was very connected with the family there as a child and like grew up around them. So I, I think I, I want to say they immigrated when he was a child in the plot. I don't know about the act like Rami Youssef. I don't know his actual story. I do want to read more about him. Anyway, so there aren't I'm not going to really spoil the show because this is more of a slice of life type of show. It's not like overarching plots. And right. I'm not going to be giving away some like this moment. Is, you can't really Game of Thrones spoiler this thing. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't... Us talking about the general themes of the show will not in any way spoil the viewing experience. So the things that I really appreciated, and you can weigh in like whatever you want. There um, were a couple of moments like, mm-hmm. okay, so Rami is Egyptian um, Muslim. So, but however, because the whole Swana thing... Uh, there were points in the story where I was just like, oh, my God, is this did they like steal this from my life? You know? Yeah. Or, oh, my God, that mom is totally acting like my mom. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, what was that one? Uh, there was this moment where there's the double standard dream. Mm hmm. Where, oh, yeah. Where one of the, the daughter is caught having sex with a guy by her dad and then immediately her brother comes in and is like, hey, I just scored. And then like... And the men in the family the, are like the, high-fiving each other and be like, yeah, you scored a chick or whatever. And I was like, yeah. oh my God, double standard. And, yeah, and that, that, that happened. Of course, she made the same statement just like a second later. Uh-huh, yeah. And it was a dream, but... Right. But those same anxieties, I guess. Yeah. And, um... Oh, the most striking scene from that. So one of the episodes, they do a flashback to basically when 9-11 happened. Rami is in school. And he doesn't know what's up because he's called to the principal's office. And he sort of sees everyone looking in horror. And suddenly he is very much reminded that he is a Swana, that he is Egyptian. I kind of had a parallel experience, too. Cause... Yeah, 9-11 really shook... 
us in that specific way, where it's like all of a sudden people around us cared that we are Arab or um, Swana in general. And and they care sudden, whether or not we're Muslim suddenly. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I remember for me in school, all of a sudden, like people were making comments about it when they never, it never seemed to even come up in conversation before. So they would say things to me pertaining to my Arabness. And I think a lot of us experienced this exact same quote where someone was like, oh, are you related to Osama? Oh you my know, God. That, that kind of shit. That shit. Yeah. And it, it stung a lot because um, it, it made you, it, it just shook you and made you realize, wait, okay, I'm not at all like anyone else around me. And I'm sticking out for all of the bad, you know, all of these negative reasons. I mean, and, negative, yeah. And it shows you how thin, like, sort of acceptance is in a lot of places. Right. So the scene right after that was um, their father setting up a little flag holder for an American flag in front of their house. My dad did the exact same fucking thing. It was like, I was just pointing at that, pointing at you, and I was like, yeah. do we want to gush about this more? Or should we just say, go watch Rami, God damn it. It's uh, it's on Hulu. I, don't... I want to mention a few points that oh. I, I got from it um, before we move on. Uh, I just want to say that I appreciate the like how they brought up the Orientalism issue of like or the fetish issue where oh my god yeah yeah, yeah. so there's a part where um, the sister is with a a non Arab guy or non Swana guy yeah and he's like speak to me in Arabic and saying all this shit like makes her realize okay this is why he's interested in me it's not about me being a, just a person. So I thought that was very relatable. I haven't experienced the same situation, not to that degree, um, but I think most of us watching it will at least in some way, even if it's in a different context, like relate to that kind of you're, attitude. Oh, you're so the, exotic. Exactly. Yeah, it's so like, exotic. So That accent is so sexy. Yeah, or um, even... Okay, so I've had like I've gotten people in my life or people I don't know tell me, "Oh, I think Middle Eastern girls are hot." And I don't think that's cute. I don't think that's flattering. In the past, I I, I convinced myself that a comment like that was flattering because I'm like, "Okay, I'll take a compliment." But now I'm like, "No, that's some fucking weird shit." I don't know. It, no one's a. There's no group is a monolith, and to say something like that is really fucking. Like it, no one would walk up to somebody who was like who had French parents but no connection to France at all, and grew up in the United States, sounded and acted very American, and say, "Oh, fr you French girls are so hot." Yeah, yeah, very true, and yeah, and I mean, even for people who are from who actually grew up in the Swana region. To say shit like that, like, oh, Middle Eastern girls are so sexy. God, I love them. Or, you know, you're Middle Eastern. Ooh, you must be hot or whatever. Not a compliment. It's really fucked up. And it's like, no, just maybe treat people like people before you just uh, make these generalized statements like that. So I appreciated that part of the show. I really appreciated um, this the okay so the issues that rami faces 
that come with being part of the, the diaspora where he has this picture in his mind of what Egypt is and he's been away from it for so, so long. And then he, you know, his experience there is nothing like what he expected. And he realized, wait, there's so much similarity here. I'm, I'm just in a different setting, but like there's so many cultural uh, similarities and overlap, you know, between the, you know, people in the U.S. and Egyptians. And I don't know, like it was just interesting seeing that that experience. Okay. And another thing is how, sorry. Oh my God. Oh, okay. What you were saying, how he was like, he was a very devout, he, he's a very devout Muslim in the show. Whereas his parents are, they're not as quite as strict. They don't see, especially his mom. Like she's more like, you know what? I want to, I don't know. She, she takes she takes to, she takes her faith as she needs it, not as it's demanded of her. Yeah, yeah, and I think Rami holding on to certain very strict practices, which you'll see you'll see what I mean in the show. Like it's a way for him to grasp onto this culture that he's trying really hard to be connected with. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. So I thought. I don't know. I thought it was really nice how he addressed these specific issues, you know, faced by people in the diaspora and faced by people who are the child, you know, the children of immigrants. Also, one thing I, I saw that was really interesting. So mm-hmm. this is this is more Muslim focused. So I'm a little outside of my lane here. So, but this is sort of more tech plus politics. So. That all that prefacing out. Mm-hmm. So um, during the Ramadan a- episode, mm-hmm. like everyone's waiting for um, sundown, and like half the people have those apps on the phones that tell you when it's cool to eat, right? You know, this one guy comments, like I think it was his uncle comments, like, "Oh, that's wrong. That's going by the Saudi interpretation, mm-hmm. as as opposed to sunset, sunset." Yeah, well, it yeah. was like there, it was a day earlier than. He, oh yeah, yeah, that part. Yeah. Okay, so like I said, outside my lane. However, the fact that there that there are apps out there written and sponsored by the Saudi government and that are you know subtly imposing these um, interpretations and restrictions on people is just one more way that the Saudi government sort of pushes its version of Islam on everyone. Oh yeah, yeah. You know what? Like I, I mean, I got the what he meant about like oh we don't follow the saudi whatever but for some reason when i was watching i didn't make that connection in my head of the saudi government sponsoring an app but that makes sense yeah because you're probably right because otherwise like you know politics of course that was a very political moment you're right well it's interesting it wasn't super political it's more like it just made me think that i was like Who's sponsoring these apps? Yeah, that's a really good question. Because, like, for example, if somebody wrote a Christian app to signal, like, you know, when the holidays are, you know, of course, there would be the Armenian Christian version, which would have, like, Armenian Easter, Armenian Orthodox New Year, and who would be sponsoring that? Armenian church and Armenian programmers. And So true. So by putting those things out there as sort of generally for the... For some, for a certain faith, you know, they basically put their thumb on the scales of what faith should be. But 
you know, that's that could be me being totally tangentially wrong. Tell me how wrong I am, please. I think I I feel like you have a point. I mean, yeah, but it's, it's like it's it's like a really fine line too because it's not like propaganda. It's more like we'll talk more about this when I have a better grasp on it and when people tell me how wrong I am. Fair. Okay. Um, uh, do we want to do that? Do we want to move on? Yeah, let's move on. Okay. Um, so yeah, uh, watch Rami. So on point, and I think everyone who watches it, who listens to this, who listens to this, will relate in some way, like even a small way, and it'll make you feel validated. Do you want me? How about I read the question and then you give your input? Sure. So okay. this is our totally unqualified advice thing. Yes. So <laughs> please keep in mind, unqualified. We are not therapists. We are not counselors. We have no degrees in any of that shit. Mm-hmm. Right. No, I, okay. but uh, we put out a request or a call for, hey, send in your questions and Ellie and Alia will attempt to give advice or unqualified advice. Um, and we got a question that I would like to read for this episode. And then, yeah. Okay, I'm going to keep the person anonymous. It says... Uh, okay. monitor. Yes. My whole life, I was under the presumption that I am a cishet male, which I believed to be true up until the summer of last year. My partners at the time, who were wonderful and supportive, helped me question myself and come to the realization that I'm queer and that it's okay to not know exactly what that means for me. I don't know exactly who I am yet. I'm still exploring myself and questioning every day. This relates to what we were just talking about. Um, But I know for a fact that I'm queer, and it's an important part of my identity. I'm so happy to be understanding myself more, but I'm having trouble allowing myself to feel comfortable in my queerness and expressing um, how I really feel. Everything I've ever done and everyone I've ever known has been through the context of being a cishet Mexican male. I'm afraid of my whole life being flipped upside down by starting to come out to people as a 26-year-old. However, I know that's kind of bullshit and that there's a lot of privilege in being straight passing. My question is, how did you as minorities deal with coming out to friends and family? What was it like for you? What were some things that helped you through it or helped make sense of everything? I want to be open about myself, but I'm afraid that people will treat me like a completely different person just because I like dresses and think femme boys are cute. I'm not sure how to handle telling my parents, brothers, or my bros. I know that they'll all still love me um, for me and accept me, but I don't want them to treat me like a completely different entity. I want to start telling people because I want to be able to live authentically as myself. I don't want to hide behind my straight passing privilege either. I've come to understand that merely existing as a queer person is an act of defiance. I'm not here to hide who I am for any bullies out there. Don't get me wrong. I'm still fearful of what might happen to me in public spaces when I'm wearing makeup, but I'm also a large bro looking jujitsu fighter and that does not, or that does a lot to protect me on its own. However, not everyone has the strength or the support necessary to carve out space for themselves, and I intend to help people, or those people too. Um, Also, I just want to say that this person found us through the podcast Ethnically Ambiguous, so shout out to them. Thank you. Um, Yeah, thank you. And all right, Ellie, do you want to take 
give your take on this first? Okay, first I need to get this super out of the way. For your love of femboys and never stop loving femboys. They are amazing. They do not get enough love. Thank you. You are a role model already for some people. And you are my hero. I salute you. Um, but as to coming out, um, it, first question you have to ask yourself, is it safe? For you being you know, the big guy you are, yeah, physically it is pretty safe for you. Um, but the other question is, would this wreck your support network? You know, you got to you got to eat, you got to have a place to live. And if you rely on people who may reject you for being queer um, and having it affect the stability of your life and your living situation, um, you know, not everyone has to come out. Everyone needs to consider their own needs first. Coming out is very much a political act. So and. While it works great for, you know, white majority America, it's not always the best move. Like when safety and stability are a huge question for you. Um, but it doesn't seem like that for you. So on to moving out. Uh, I came out very early to my parents. I came out at 12, kind of by accident, wrote a letter. They found it before I was ready. And they found out they were not very supportive. But let's fast forward to the, where it's going to be more relevant. I'm 22, I'm taking hormones. And I need to come out because obviously, you know, these boobs are not going to hide themselves. And you know what? I'm not going to brag. Moving on. Um, but um, I did start coming out to people slowly. Like, I did come out to a few cousins of mine, um, got their support. My mom, you know, added me to a few people quietly who she knew would support me, but she was like, don't let anyone else know. Don't let anyone know. And I was like, I'm going to come out. You need to let everyone know, which I think may have been a stupid move in hindsight. But I did decide to come out eventually, and I told them all in one place at one time. I knew I had some supportive allies in the room with my family, but it was also a family gathering for the holidays, and it was disruptive, you know? So... Well, it did get everyone in one place at one time and basically let you let me, you know, tackle all their questions and show that, hey, I'm still cool. Um, it was a really huge gamble for me. And yeah, um, with family, it's like you got to pick that battle carefully because like some people, you know, those bridges are going to be burned forever. Like I could probably have never come out to my grandparents because, before they died because, you know, they had, they're not, they were never in an era where they were exposed to that, I think, or exposed to it in a positive way. You know, my own dad was never exposed to trans people in a positive way, only as sex workers and porn stars. So not that I'm implying those things are negative, but they were negative to him. As to my friends, I came out to them in high school. I only came out to a few of them, and I did eventually lose some friends like some people were initially accepting but the more that i was out and transitioned you know i did see a few friends fall away specifically because i don't want to be associated with a trans person like i don't want to be seen as a person that likes or hangs out with trans women that can be seen said the same for like gay men you know men who are not very secure in their masculinity may like don't want to associate with gay men because they're afraid of being seen as gay and that's going to suck. And I'm, what I'm trying to say is, while I'm sure you are 
it, more than capable of taking care of yourself. Some bridges will be burned. You have to ask yourself, do I want to burn those? I think long-term for happiness, you're going to have to let at least the people who are important to you know. You know, your true bros, the one you, like, your best man is going to have to know because he's going to show up at your wedding, goddammit. You know, and the people who you go out and party with, like, on a, like, your, your core crew. Those people you should tell, I think. But it also comes down to, can they, can they keep it a secret or can they not, like, out you to the wrong fucking person? So you kind of have to make some personality judgments. And... Yeah, I'm, we're judging them. We're judging your friends. Judge your friends. This is a perfectly acceptable moment to judge your friends. Yes. Um, yeah. But no, nah, once they get over it, once they see that you're the same, you know, lovable, you know, big bro who's completely fucking awesome, like all the time, they're just, you know, giving, you're just giving them another side of you. Most people will come around. Most people will be totally chill with it. They might even like try to recommend you uh, a blind date or two. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, you, that's like mm-hmm. my cousin. You should totally meet my cousin. Been there. Yeah, so I it, guess this kind of thing closes some doors and opens really cool new ones um, um, when you're ready. When you're ready. But I've always taken like me being trans as an asshole filter. Like anyone who I couldn't deal with for the rest of my life or at least another five years probably pieced out before, you know, the moment I told them. So... Mm. Um, but yeah, there's going to be some culture shock. There's going to be like, I don't know, let's, let's say an introductory period. We're going to be like testing the water. See if, see if you're suddenly flirting with them, you know, or see if you're like, you know, being like totally out of character and they're going to see that you're not. And it's going to be cool. I hope, you know, a lot of this depends on the people. It's really complicated. Um, as to carrying on, it's like, I ain't gonna lie, I'm, I am still terrified in public sometimes. I am still super nervous. I don't have that confidence. I'm still worried about how I will be received in certain public spaces, you know, Mm. and I kind of have the same advantage as you. I'm pretty big. I'm now taking boxing classes, but, but being tall and being physically imposing is a huge plus on telling people to fuck right off. You know, plus a lot of people are into that. So congratulations to you. You are going to be very popular. I think you are the best to answer this. So I'm not I'm not going to add anything. The other question is like, so now we've got like friends and sort of like family. You've also have the other question of, will it matter? You know, and I hate to be harsh about this, but are you going to want to bring your boyfriend home to your parents do you like i i personally um i'm by i have never brought a boyfriend home to my parents because i know their acceptance was conditional so to a certain extent i know it's less so these days but um but yeah coming out is going to give you a lot of that hard truth of who really loves you or whose love is conditional who's secure in their masculinity you're gonna learn You've already learned a lot about yourself. You're going to learn a lot about your friends if you come out to them. And I wish you the best on that journey. Um, I think, I think honestly, pulling people aside, just telling them like one-on-one, like can go a long way because it shows like a certain level of confidence. And then it's like, look, I, it basically says, hey, I'm gay. I just want you to know 
might be dating a guy or I might be doing a drag thing soon or mm-hmm. I might be doing eyeliner because line- eyeliner is badass on everyone. Hell yeah. Um, and I might be wearing this cool skirt because skirts are fucking amazing to wear. Um, but, you know, just... And people love that sort of one-on-one privilege. Like, I feel so privileged. This person's confiding me. Yeah, never mind you told the four people you trust way more than this, bro, first. But, you know, it's like, hey, you know, I trust you. I just want you to know this is a thing. I just want you to be heads up, you know? Mm. That's, yeah, I'm, Yeah. It's it's a lot, you know? Yeah. And if I had to do it all over again myself, I probably would have done it a lot different. I would probably would have like been way more incremental, way more pull aside people rather than just like hit everyone in the face with it at once and just get it off, like rip the bandaid off. Because well, wasn't it on not even on purpose? Like uh, when you wrote the letter. The letter thing when I was twelve was like I was trying to do that eventually, but they found it early. The coming out to the whole family at once and on, on holiday. Oh, okay. okay. That was purely intentional. And that may have been a bad, a poorly choice, poor choice on my part. Okay. So I'm not going to say, you know, hey, I would do it all over again exactly the same way. No, I, I'm older, I'm wiser, I learned shit and I learned who, but I also learned who some of these people really were. Maybe that's an advantage of being, you know, I mean, 26 is still pretty young, but maybe that's an advantage of being like this age of maybe you have more... Like There's some maturity that comes with that. Yeah, and yeah, coming out at twenty six is actually way would I think would be easier than twenty twenty two because in this case, you've had time to set or sort of establish yourself as you know an, an independent adult. I don't want to say a man, but you know, you know, you, in the culture you establish yourself as a man. You you set your credibility. They know you are a reliable person outside of your parents telling you to do shit. So that goes a long way too. Um, I hope it goes well, man. Uh, Thank as, you for sending this. Yeah, um, public spaces are also hard, man. Sometimes you got to you got to read the room, you know. Like that's that's the hard part. That's hard, man. Like um, I probably would have not like. I did come out in high school to some friends, but I didn't like. We're doing anything beyond wearing nail polish and occasionally a blouse, but you know it was sort of gender neutral and questionable because it's Texas high school. This is you know assholes in football country. Uh, yeah. So <sighs> trust your instinct, man. I believe in you, and you should believe in what your body is telling you, what your feelings are. That's yeah. how we got this far, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's probably a lot of overlap and similarities between Mexican family dynamics and like Middle Eastern I hope so just just keep in mind once you talk to the gossipy one you are out to everyone don't have any illusions about that like if you know somebody has never has never kept their mouth shut they are not going about to start looking at you Steph <laughs> Steph okay did not no, know that part. No, that Steph, nah, Steph wouldn't do that. I was just like, I just kind of needed to throw one out. Oh, like one of your cousins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, good. Sorry, Steph, if you actually like, listened I to this. I thought she was cool. She is cool. Okay. All right, so uh, that wraps things up. 
Yeah, thank you all so much for being here. Yeah, um, I hope you stick around and we get to know you and maybe you get to know us a little better too. I'm going to do a shout out to Wild and Kind Studio. They are in the UK. They are amazing. I wish we could work with them long term, but we can't because we are poor international well they also said like it's it's just not feasible for us to work with an international company for future merchandise but just uh they gave us some really awesome tips on being ethical in who we go with and like what kinds of products we make and or we get made and they gave us some cool totes and we did a and we're doing a giveaway on that yeah so they sent us they were so amazing and they sent us three tote bags one for ellie and me one for ahmed who does the arabic side of the podcast and then we have a third one and we are giving that away to a listener so all you have to do is tag the queer arabs and wild and kind studio uh, tag us because we need to see it just to make sure we see it on and instagram instagram or facebook so instagram story or post is fine you can just write all you have to do is be like hey wild and kind studio is awesome follow them or it, it doesn't have to be anything complicated um so we're gonna draw a name today the day it publishes uh, we've been posting about this for the past week at the end of the day we're gonna draw a name out of a hat out of whoever posted and pick a winner and we'll send it to you wherever you are in the world. So just... you Do we want to say 9 p.m. CST? Sure. What else? Yeah, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Queer Arabs. We have an Arabic side of the podcast as well, run by Ahmed. Stupid, sexy Ahmed. <laughs> and you can contact him at thequeerarabsinarabic at gmail.com. You can contact Ellie and me at thequeerarabs at gmail.com. Also, to anyone observing Ramadan in any way, Ramadan Kareem to you. Wishing you a peaceful month, good month, uh, meaningful in celebrating and observing Ramadan in any way that is right for you. So just oh, there's shouting one more, you out. One more shout what? out mm -hmm. uh, to our resident artist, Jocelyn Kirby. Oh, hell yes. When we initially did the show, she was a little nervous because queer Arabs plus controversy plus lack of confidence on her part. She admits this. She didn't want to be credited for our logos and art. Uh, she's decided she's basically leveled up and mm -hmm. gotten way more awesome. And she's decided to take credit. So Jocelyn Kirby at J-O-Z Kirby, K-I-R-B-Y. Yep. At, at Twitter. Yeah. She does art. She does commissions. She All her stuff is in the super cute vein. So if you like adorable, her art is right up your alley. Yeah. Um, she's the one who came up with the just the concept of the chickpea hearts and design she designed our whole logo for itunes and our website and everything so everything you see visually you know showing the queer arabs is i mean it's her art so definitely follow her on twitter j-o-z kirby she is on instagram she said people can follow her there too but she's just way more active on twitter so yeah follow, uh, her. follow her, her hit her up with commissions she will do commissions folks just saying thank you all so much for see being ya. here and we will Talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.